I'm Mike Walsh, and you're listening to Between Worlds, the show that takes you over the horizon and beyond borders to bring you the global thinkers, innovators, and troublemakers whose ideas challenge the world as we know it. studios of uh, Refik Anadol, who's the world's leading dot data sculptor. And uh, Refik, it, it's, it's amazing to see what's happened in the last few months. When we last met, you were you know, still finishing your degree. Yes. And uh, I mean, the whole world's changed. <laughs> Almost a year ago. Yeah. Right? It was, yeah, like life is changing so fast in a year. It's 12 months is so fantastic time to discover so many things absolutely and I, I think you know people were really blown away by the work you did um, with the uh, LA Philharmonic can, can you tell us a bit about that project because you know of course it wasn't just you but you you worked with some of the you know one of the world's greatest architects and yeah. of course uh, amazing musicians so tell us about that project uh, thank you so um, the project was kind of the reason uh, why I decided to move to the United States to start a new uh, Master of Fine Arts degree that um, challenges itself way uh, bigger than before and try to collaborate with one of the world's leading architects and engineers to make something uh, more unique um, than before. So the idea was collaborating with uh, Los Angeles Philharmonic and their uh, architect, building architect Frank Gehry to create one of the world's um, finest custom software that can understand the logic of music and transform it into architectural space. So we have a chance to um, collaborate Gear Technologies to get their 3D scan data of the building and use exterior and interior quality of the space. And luckily, um, we came up with that uh, audiovisual performance. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, when I, when I saw the video of it, it, it was extraordinary because uh, you didn't just have the musical performance, you could actually see in real time projected on the walls um, information that was coming from the sound, but also from the conductor's movements, is that right? Yes, ex exactly. And um, what was so beautiful about the project is instead of just creating a simple installation, we thought that it would be great to enhance the perception of the audience by using algorithms that are specifically designed for uh, America, a piece created by Edward Vares, who is inspired by 1920s New York when he came from Paris. And he was kind of trans. He was kind of pointing out that the future will be uh, in discoveries in an in human mind, in space, and also in space. I mean, space is basically like the outer space as right. well. So he he was inspired by the architecture of New York. Exactly. So. And you, in a sense, try to make that 21st century by kind of reinventing that architecture. Yes. In the musical performance. Exactly. And Esa Pekasson and the conductor and conductor laureate of LA Field, he was a very um, open-minded conductor and he was always inspired by technology and he said, and he was one of the um, great person also inspiration that brings technology into classical music. And he chose this piece specifically to give more meaning to this technology. And we were in a perfect collaboration. So. Huh. What was what, what was Frank Gehry's initial response? I mean, because it, it, though his buildings look very fu futuristic, he, he still draws by hand. Yes. So he, he's quite resistant to technology in some ways. Yeah. So one of the um, breaking points probably in the in last one year is his positive uh, thumbs up to the project. So the first idea was using the exterior building to transform the public space. 
but before with, with projection mapping exactly right. and but um, what was so doable from LA field side is much earlier much faster and much meaningful is bring the audience directly in an immersive environment which is this, which looks which sounds same but actually more challenging because being inside space you really immerse with the idea more specifically and more carefully than a public space experiment so and Gary directly um, gave so positive glimpse share the files share all the vision that he already put up and one of the most important points probably after the performance he made a surprise and came to the backstage and he was he was like positively saying that we don't need screens anymore it was a very important moment for the architecture and also performing arts so, so he wasn't threatened that it was interfering with his architectural vision no no there was like there was a very positive uh, extremely positive <laughs> reaction right. And, and Microsoft were also a key partner in this as well, right? They, they gave you access to, um, you know, some of their uh, advanced Kinect technology. Yes. Um, so every year, Microsoft Research is um, kind of bringing together 10 Ivy League schools, um, chosen projects, and you have like eight minutes to present your idea to the most uh, greatest engineers in the computer science. And you have these eight minutes to trans transfer your idea to the pub to the public and let their uh, judgment system so basically they gave uh, an award to each year one project and it covers the basic cost of a master of finance or whatever the thesis it is so this project get the best vision award which was very helpful because this brings uh, computational power engineer power that has an amazing and positively developed uh, culture which is so important because it's way bigger than a simple thesis project hmm. And um, they were so like uh, ready to activate the project uh, with me. So it was a very positive moment, change the game. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think the reception was was extraordinary to, to this project. And, and and one of the interesting things that of course had happened was that they immediately got a very large donation. And uh, you know, looking looking into, into the background of this, it, it, it was actually one of the original GeoCities founders that yes. made the donation. Yes. Right? Yes. What what, what 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 happened actually? Yeah. So probably like. Um, so LA Phil is located in Los Angeles, one of like transforming the Hollywood, like the whole technology. And, and basically LA Phil has a, almost a hundred years long history in using performing arts. I think this kind of gift is pointing out that LA Phil's, cho LA Phil's choice in using high-end technology and bringing this world to their field was highly positively appreciated by the audience, by board members, by obviously uh, directors. So this kind of positive reaction is opening a whole new world to bring the 21st century technology into the performing arts. Hmm. And this kind of gifts are very rare happening in the world of performing arts. And LA Phil is the world's largest um, non-profit organization can handle this kind of huge projects, which hmm. is another success that they have been uh, leading. And I'm so happy to be one of their artists that will be collaborated for the upcoming projects as well. Because it was quite a specific gift, right? It was actually dedicated, it was devoted to innovation. Yes, discovering innovation. Hmm. So so what's, what's going to happen now? Are they going to bring in other people like so, you? Yes, so for next year, they have a very, very like inspiring. So every year, I think there are four audiovisual performances now coming up. Hmm. Not all of them are really pushing technology like this in this like so high-end level, but all of them are kind of using light to transform an idea to the audience. Not all of them using any architecture. So the all performance has a different um, approach. Uh, similarly, um, 
same innovation inside, but not necessarily too much technology. Right. Um, but looks like even our upcoming projects will be uh, using so much um, technology. But it's all about hidden design, hidden technology. It's not about bringing people, overwhelming them with this no. world, but it's more about making them a poetic connection that is available there. Um, just discover and innovate so many new language. <laughs> the, the, the field you're working in is very new. I, I mean, uh, to you, uh, I mean, uh, I guess data sculpture requires not just an understanding of aesthetics, but also programming skills, massive computation, yes. uh, an understanding of engineering, architecture. Yeah. You know, w what are some of your organizing ideas, uh, you know, around how this field is developed? So I think it's, it's a great question because I was like recently, I mean, last six or nine months, the life is changing rapidly. First of all, um, the projects are growing so fast, but also they need high computation for as you described. So first of all, an art studio cannot be anymore. A sculptor works from nine to eight by him or herself sculpting all day long. So now it's about creating a team that you have multinational, international approach. For example, a project right now is developed in London, Vienna, in Tokyo, and in Los Angeles, and in also Istanbul, like five cities mm. working in one idea. So the power of computation and the know-how in deep custom software is so valuable. Um, so we have been, I've been friends with so many developer friends, but net, much much important part is how to like really synchronize all together yes and make a piece that runs 15 years that's a big challenge because public art is one of the world's um, biggest challenge for an artist to think about an idea that transforms community public space global impact and technology and runs for 15 years so what does that mean right? that's because technology inherently you know, becomes obsolete. Exactly. So that's why um, one of the biggest inspiration was coming from Blade Runner and all this uh, wonderful uh, sci-fi culture is right now we can basically combine one of the high technology into the public art pieces. Mm -hmm. So the studio, studio is right now focused on how to use existing data sets to use public space cities as a living organism by using their existing data sets and transform them into uh, poetic sculptures. Um, there's a whole different world than yeah. the LA Field Project, but... But do, do you think, what are people's response to seeing their city, you know, in data format? Is the idea to shock them or to kind of feel a greater sense of connection with, you know, with the world that they're in? Ex that's one of the great, I think, keyword that you say, like the connection. It's so important that um, giving an awareness that the public space and the cities we are living in is transforming itself so fast like literally every single point of time right yeah. now is delivering so much meaning than before so communication methods are changed the intelligence of how we are reading ourselves each other is changed the whole humanity is transforming itself so that's that awareness should be involved in an artwork mm. of course like the historically all the art artists were bringing intelligence and genius by using so many different materials but eventually light is the only material right now has a point in a waveform discovered by physicists. This means light has, can bring more meaning than another material if it's driven by the code and the, the data. So yeah, and I, I guess data for a lot of people is a very uh, controversial and even political issue in that 
we're used to hearing our data being used on government spying on us and infringing our rights. Um, but this is a very different way of presenting the data as something that gives us more insight into the world we live in. Well, you, I mean, that's one of the wonderful points that you are bringing because eventually we are all aware about like what's going on with how the democratization of the data and how it's used by different political reasons. But there's that world for sure. But at the end, at the meantime, what is available that is already there, but we don't see it. So it's like kind of making invisible visible. Mm without any political, any religious, any like really pure perception that we have every day. Just using that pureness and minimal approach and how we can just bring this invisible world to a more visible. That's yes. the inner challenge without any layer of political or any layer of... <laughs> but I guess some politics are inevitable. I, I saw a data visualization that showed um, iPhone users versus Android users in, in, in New York City. Yeah. And it was almost a perfect representation of the different economic classes yeah, absolutely <laughs> uh, quantitative data when you are like i think playing with any quantitative data yeah you can say so many things which is an amazing example you are giving like um in the meantime cities are like producing so much details of information mm. like like, like just the GPS information of the city is all moving vehicles that you can think or every single data sets that a social network is producing every single moment yes or like um, I mean so many other data sets that have been available such as San Francisco's data website that shows even the energy consumption of every single building there so that's a huge thing like just living there and yeah just so impressive that well, it becomes powerful, I think, when you talk about some of the, I guess, the public spaces that you're you're going to build these sculptures in. Mm -hmm. um, public spaces have a political dimension as well. Like uh, when you think about, you know, the concept of a square. You know, Tiananmen Square, of course, the famous square in Istanbul. They're, they're always a center of debate, controversy, yes. revolution. Yes. Um, so, you know, the the bringing that data into these public spaces also has the possibility for creating all kinds of conversations absolutely like a perfect point like as you described the, the history of a space is basically like we cannot save it in a day life only in our own consciousness right mm. if eventually in the future if an artwork has this intelligence that knows what happened in that time and specifically for which reason this basically brings intelligence AI to the artwork right yeah and then the artist challenge will be how to make a poetic and uh, storytelling through these data sets, which is another big challenge coming up. Um, because in, in early history, artists can only save a specific idea to a specific form. But right now, as you described, memories of a public space can become the piece itself. Right. So if the artwork is an algorithm, then it should be able to incorporate uh, not just the past, but the present. Exactly. Yeah. It's perfect. Uh, I saw in one of the works you're working on at the moment uh, in Los Angeles, you you actually were visualizing 100 years of seismic activity in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, that sounds to me terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but your goal is actually to make that poetic. I'm not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's, uh, how, how, how do you make something so terrifying poetic? <laughs> that's, that's a great question because like um, the piece is for, called Metropolis. It's a kind of... Um, um, very huge investment in downtown Los Angeles by Greenland. 
right. and um, they are collaborating with Gensler uh, to, to create this uh, enormous beautiful community so as an artist the challenge uh, the challenge was how to propose an idea that is um, ever changing itself has an again intelligent has no like what's going on in the community so one of the biggest challenge was for the city meetings which mm. is very important because we have to convince that the piece is ethically and morally not uh, overlapping with other issues we were just literally using existing data sets stuff like that they're already open nothing is like hacked or <laughs> taken right so seismic data was one of the um, available a hundred years long uh, and since California is a seismic uh, area this kind of movement is happening eventually so mm. but the question is as you described how to take these numbers and bring them into a more beautiful in terms of instead of a terrifying feeling mm. because the motion is there like the oceanography like the weather itself like mm. the wind every day but this one is coming from the earth itself from the very center of it and in a anti-gravity way so just started understanding those numbers and we found that there is a beautiful potential that even a very terrifying data set can become a poetic piece so that's kind of this edgy point uh, to bring it back to the community is it important for the viewer to know the context of the data mm. in order to appreciate it there's a, another great question if it is important we decided to make a website so that if anybody wants to be immersed with this idea right. we will be creating a customs uh, website that will um, also give uh, information about what that data means but you should be able to appreciate it just in and of itself yeah ho I mean, hopefully the final uh, aesthetic will be enough for any pedestrian from any background that still have meaning hmm. maybe color maybe form or someone that has a interesting uh, interested on the idea then they can go to the website with a QR code or some simple application that can find more information yeah this kind of approach to creating living sculptures with data must be very appealing to technology companies. I mean, I years ago I remember visiting the headquarters of Google, and back then it was amazing. They had this kind of globe that showed like real-time searches in, in, in three-dimensional space. But um, I think the, the project you got coming up at 350 Mission takes that to another level. Well, thank you. Can, can you. can you talk about that a little bit? Thank you, yeah. That's, that's, that's a very, actually, um, beautiful project. So it's a kind of... Um, an area that is probably the world's most um, leading social network or most like leading technology companies are having their headquarters. Yeah. The mission area is basically, uh, the, the, the street of the mission area is basically specifically important for the client and for developer, Kilroy. So they developed this huge uh, skyscraper with SOM architect. And in their entrance, there is this uh, 80 feet by 40 feet long massive media wall. It's an LED media wall and it's the finest LED pixels, which are so high quality that you don't see the pixel itself. It's very important because wow. if you have a, like Times Square, but in a more highly sophisticated designed and custom made for that architectural corner. So one of the biggest um, inspiring moment was Salesforce is one of their tenant and intentionally they want a piece that is absolutely not repeating itself, absolutely not using linear time ideas. Hmm. That's why using data sets for this specific place was uh, important. And for example, using Tibeter's daily social activity in San Francisco, using um, existing SF San Francisco data 
websites, existing data sets to create visuals and, and sculptures. So these are like experiments going on and opening on September 30th. Right. So, so, so beyond just representing the data, I mean, how do you represent it in, in new ways that mm-hmm. are unexpected or, or more beautiful? Yeah, that's, that's one of like, uh, the questions every day um, has to be probably asked during if you're in collaboration with the architecture itself. Right. Because the piece is basically um, not, a, not a simple square form. It's specifically designed for a, an architectural item. So the idea is also very, f- very inspiring that can we give consciousness to this kind of media wall installation that knows how many pixels it has, has no its own dimensions and has no where it's located in the world. Mm. Then the idea becomes more appealing because then we can put consciousness into it by the city's data sets that are producing every pedestrian in every time so that the piece has kind of this uh, consciousness shortly like we have every day like these kind of like questions are always what, what do you mean about consciousness in the context of a screen uh, do you mean it, it, it knows its own proportions yes so for example each um, one set is data sculpture is using its own dimensions its own particle counts so like what does it mean to have a data sculpture that knows its dimension right so so it's kind of a now two-way communication between the artwork instead of creating a one I mean from the old ways creating an artist comes and puts his or her ego in a piece and it just stays there I think it, it's, it should not be like that it should be like right. this dialogue between the public and itself and bring more um, questions or answers so, so as the data changes uh, the piece can reconfigure based on its its context yes hmm. exactly. what um, where do you see the future of this evolving? I mean, you've worked with projection mapping, um, very high-quality, custom-built screens, but we're also coming to a world where the availability of virtual reality, augmented technology from Microsoft, uh, Oculus Rift, will this bring data sculpture to more people in new ways? Um, hopefully, hopefully. That's that's one of the biggest um, and inspiration and like motivation. And, and so far, especially in these um, large-scale experiments, I'm still calling them experiments because it's so hard to say it's finished if you have this ever-changing information. But as you described, like public space is changing so fast. Like if if we are, if we take Blade Runners that moment, a flying car next to a huge media facade, a media facade that knows that what is flying at what time and who is the passenger in that specific car. So this consciousness is not so far. It's not something that is so far. Hmm. Because architecture is basically getting this intelligence. Artists are putting their efforts to change and put more intelligence to their pieces. And engineers and art, like everybody's like collaborating in somehow. So as an artist, I'm super interested to bring all this um, valuable information in a meaningful form. That is hopefully, if it happens, I think we will hopefully define the future in a positive way. But Blade Runner was a very dystopian view of the yes. future. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know where the advertising never leaves you. You're right. You're right. Um, uh, so commercial world of data and granularity is a whole different. Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess interestingly, some of the things that you're pioneering now may actually get adopted by the the advertising industry. Yes, possibly. So. 
that's another like actually um, so some artists find it problematic some artists find it positive because sometimes advertisement may bring more accessibility mm. of course monetizing of course putting so many different value information onto the piece but um, I mean sometimes uh, the best artworks are only commissioned by the best biggest company so it's a whole different debate I think so I'm not intentionally getting uh, putting myself in a very edgy points because sometimes collaboration brings more freedom than any mm. artist can get such as happened in Microsoft Research I never thought that I would be have been accessible to one of the world's leading engineers and their beautiful minds that will bring so many possibilities mm. so those are like very important moments uh, if you think about yeah, and certainly whether you're an advertiser or, or someone who's just interested in, in public art you know the next great challenge is how you incorporate more real-time um, high-resolution information f from our personal lives. Exactly. So, so what, are, what are some other, I guess, sensors or data points that mm -hmm. you're most interested in, in unlocking? Yeah, so that that's a great question because currently with LA Field, we were thinking about, um, so, so I think as an artist, my biggest dream was like, can we make our emotions as a material? Like, right. what will happen if our thoughts became the material itself? So as you were actually listening to the music, you could project someone's emotional response yes that. that's that's kind of um, <laughs> the dream right now <laughs> how do you do that without sticking brain probes in people's heads yeah that's exactly what what we will need so far um, we were like discovering right now um, a kind of a team hmm. and LA feel is highly inspired by the idea of um, uh, collaborate um, kind of overlapping an artist with a scientist group to hmm. make discoveries on our emotions and how music works on brain Hmm. And I call this as a phenomena, an idea that um, takes our emotional thoughts, transforms them into a data story. And architecture itself has the intelligence that sense what is the audience's feeling itself. So it's a very complicated relationship, but if, it, uh, if we have this one year of research process, if we can research human thoughts by the scientific domain rules, right. I think we can probably will be creating one of the world's unique emotion-driven audiovisual performance. What's the sensor here? Is it an EEG? Yes, one of them is EEG. Other one is uh, heart rate monitoring. Like bi basically, biofeedback sensors are so important hmm. to combine um, brain activities because brain activities is more or less is the biggest challenge of all um, neuroscientists because. In a, in a public domain, there are so many variables that a human can be affected, right? Like anything can, your background, your, your, your so many perception channels are open during this recording. So the challenge is it has to be kind of overlapped with another sensor that has maybe more solid information. Right. So now we will be starting to understand how our brain works on a musical experience environment and how we can... Uh, transform our human information into a story. Like, you, you, you couldn't really imagine everyone in the audience being wired up to a 48 channel EEG, <laughs> right? but yeah. I guess you could imagine them wearing a, a heart rate monitor or an Apple Watch or a Microsoft band. Right? Yes, yes. So you're exactly right. Like we, we will be um, collaborating with Microsoft. Um, they're like kind of a Microsoft band is one of that um, accessible, accessible uh, devices and uh, we are looking so many other devices at the meantime because it's just a research mm. process so we are literally looking for the most convenient and more uh, open 
to this kind of collaboration instead of any branded so like more about collaboration part so when you, when you look to the future of how your career is going to develop i mean what what are you really passionate about i mean what what, what is something that if you could create you would really feel like you had uh, taken yourself to the next level well it's, it's an awesome question but i think yes yeah, so, so far right now inside all these questions and motivations so far the most challenging part is like every piece every project has its own rules and challenges because every audience is every city every everything is like basically not unified everything is distracted each other hmm. so biggest challenge is probably how to make that consciousness in one one point which is hard to explain but you mean have your works interconnect in some yes, way yes exactly like hmm. like knowing where they are adding more intelligence adding more consciousness to these pieces are the biggest challenge and and it will take a long time but it's I see what you mean so it's more, almost like you want to create a platform and then the, the individual works are just reflections of that yes. platform yeah and and as much as intelligence to architecture itself I think spaces are so important to be developed right now again by this embedding mid unity architecture so now there's this feature of creating one of the most um, beautiful spaces by creating um, beautiful forms for public space but what does it mean literally where they are located do they really know what the pedestrian feels or really know how many years they will be there like so many questions has to be asked and put inside those forms mm. as a layer of information and those are like so inspiring to think about and bring any collaboration to the scene of architecture and the media arts Perfect. It's been a great pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much, man. You've been listening to Between Worlds. For more episodes and information on how to subscribe to our podcast, please visit www.mike-walsh.com slash betweenworlds.